0: I don't know if you, you obviously can't tell through social media, but I am four nine, very little. <laughs> I can beat at rooster weight. So I was one of one of the four women at my gym for a very long time. And trying to take down one of the bigger guys was one of my biggest goals when I first started. And when I finally did it, it, wow. I, I was the happiest person in the world. <laughs>
1: Welcome everyone to another episode of Elbows Type Podcast. It's your host Travis. Today I have a very special guest, and Mary Daisy Hill. She is a brown belt training down in Arizona. She's been doing jiu-jitsu since 2015. Came from the Muay Thai background and striking, and then got into jitsu and has been falling in love with it ever since. She wrestled a little bit in high school with her and her husband back in junior, or sorry, junior high. They wrestled a little bit in junior high, and she's been doing jujitsu now since 2015 and. Absolutely loves it. She's a heavy competitor. She recently uh, became a mom with her first child, and we talk a lot about in this episode, uh, starting off with her at the beginning of her journey and how she got into jiu-jitsu. Then we kind of transition into training pregnant and the stigma around training pregnancy and during pregnancy and just her insight into everything. And then we jump into more heavily into her competition mindset and how to prepare for competition and how she competes and how she's uh, looking at competing again now after having a child. And so I wanted this episode to be to basically every parent out there once again, but to the women that do listen that might be moms or that might be nervous about competing. And Mary is 4'9 and is a rooster weight, so she's tiny. And so, hearing her perspective on competing and everything like that was phenomenal. Lots of fun, a lot of laughs, great guest. Let me know what you guys think. Join Elbro's Facebook community page. Check out everything down in the description below for all the sponsors. Don't forget to use Elbows Tight 25 for Jordan Theory's Pressinger or Jordan Pressinger's Theory course. Jordan teaches Jiu Jitsu. Link is going to be down in the description below. And yeah, thank you guys so much for listening and watching at home. If you make it all the way to the EBI overtime, let me know what you guys think. And we'll catch you later. Peace. All right, everyone. I have a very special guest today. Another Arizonian. Is that how you say it? Would it be Arizonian? Right. A,
0: we say Phoenician.
1: <laughs> Phoenician. <laughs> Phoenician. <laughs> so another another person from Arizona. Uh, you're like the third or fourth person from Arizona that uh, I've had on the show. It feels like the jiu-jitsu scene down in Arizona is like really getting huge down there. Has it always been that way?
0: It's growing so quickly. Um I actually your your previous guest, Gustavo Dantes, was the um black belt who gave my instructor his black belt. Oh wow. So, yeah, small world.
1: Yeah. Yeah, there's uh like I've I've interviewed like uh Matthew Gillette, Michael Courier, um and a couple other people and I'm like I'm like, man, like Jay Pages is down there. There's like a mm-hmm. whole bunch of like big name uh people in Arizona and like I mentioned before, my dad lives down in Arizona. I really want to go down there because I kind of want to like gym hop and like meet all these people that I've interviewed yeah. and uh, get to roll with them and stuff like that. I think jujitsu has such a, a great community to where you're able to do something like that. And like it's I don't know, I, it'd be I think it'd be a, a really cool. Did you originally start Jitsu in Arizona or did you start somewhere else?
0: Um I started in Arizona. Um but if you do ever make it out here, it, we have a ton of gyms very close to each other. Like Gustavo Dante's gym is a stone throw away from my gym, and then JP Page's is just a couple miles uh south. So you would you would definitely enjoy it.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So how how's competition like the competition scene down there with so many gyms? I'm like San Diego, obviously you can compete almost every weekend if you wanted to. Is it kind of the same down there? Um
0: we have a lot of tournaments out here. AZBJJ is a big one that we, we do typically. Um, they, I think, have about four to six tournaments a year. Um, we try to hit those every time they come around. And then we have several like um, uh, AGF, NAGAs, um, grappling industries type of tournaments that, um, you know, sometimes we do, but I think the biggest uh, following that I, that ha- the biggest tournament that has a following is AZ BJJ.
1: Gotcha. So let's go ahead and, and uh, just jump in a little bit of who you are first. So you recently had uh, a baby. Congratulations on that. It's a, it's a journey all in itself. And there's lots of parallels, as you, I'm sure you can tell with jujitsu. But you're also uh, a brown belt. You've been training for many years, competed quite a bit. Uh, what What's something that, you know, you would also like to bring light to that most people might not think of when they think of you?
0: Um, I think most people think of me as a, a competitor, but I'm also a coach. I uh, I teach the 630 classes at my academy and I also run the kids program as well. So, um, you know, if anyone's ever interested, I think the 630 classes are great for beginners. Um, a lot of the times we have um, evening classes and when a new beginner wants to come into the evening classes, it's just full of, you know, the competitors and they don't really get much one-on-one, um, so if anyone is interested in getting, um, you know, some some lessons that are with a smaller group, uh, come into my six thirty class.
1: Yeah. And that, you said that was six thirty a.m.
0: Six thirty a.m. Yes.
1: Yeah, man, I, I wish we had like a six thirty a.m. I tell my wife all the time if if we had like a morning class in my academy, I would switch my. Work schedule around to be able to make it to that because it's kind of like working out. If you can get it done first thing in the morning, then you don't have to worry about it the rest of the day. I feel
0: great too. It's a great way to start your day.
1: Yeah, yeah. So let's go into how you got into jujitsu. What what initially drew you to jujitsu, and how long have you been doing it?
0: Um, I started jujitsu in 2015, and um, so I wrestled a little bit in junior high and high school. That's where I met my husband, and uh, we were wrestling right before his deployment. And I took him down and then he like guillotined me and like armbarred me. And I'm like, what is this witchcraft? (laughs) What is this? And he's like, oh, it's jujitsu. And I'm like, okay, cool. So that kind of just stuck in my head. He deployed and then I secretly trained jujitsu just so (laughs) so when he would get back, I can kind of do the same things.
1: That's funny. So um, what was it like wrestling uh, in junior high as a female?
0: Um. It started off as a joke. <laughs> Me and some two friends were like, hey, let's just join the wrestling team. See, you know, see what it's like. We're not really cheerleader types. Um, so we hopped in and then um we ended up really enjoying it. I wrestled us uh, a little bit of seventh grade and then eighth grade, I wrestled and into the second meet, I uh, dislocated my elbow. Mm. So that was the end of my middle school career. yeah,
1: yeah, how how mm-hmm. off uh, uh, so you started in twenty fifteen. Uh, what was that final, uh, catalyst to start your journey?
0: Um, so, uh, my gym is not just a jujitsu gym. It's a, an MMA gym. So we have, uh, the blue mats, which is kickboxing. And then we have the red mats, which is jujitsu. And I first started with Muay Thai kickboxing and mm. I trained for a really long time, um, up. And I asked my coach, I'm like, Hey, do you think I could do a fight? And he goes, no. <laughs> No, you're for being honest. <laughs> you're way too small. Go try jujitsu, and I'm like, oh, all right, sure. So I just stuck to just jujitsu and dropped the kickboxing, and I loved it. You know, it's very challenging. It's rewarding when you finally get something that you've been working on for so long. So it just kind of kind of stuck with it.
1: What were the first like big hurdles that you uh, experienced in in your jujitsu journey coming from that kickboxing side to the jujitsu side?
0: Um, not to disrespect anyone, but <laughs> stand up is very, um, like mind numbing. You just go one, two, three, you know, kick, you know, it's, it's pretty easy. Um, but you just, you have to think about a lot You know, you have to think about your next move, you think about, um, what are they going to do if I try this? Or, um, you know, is it going to work on this person because it worked on a white belt? So it's, um, that's probably the biggest hurdle I had to go through.
1: Support for today's episode comes from Waterboy. Waterboy is a hydration powder scientifically formulated to cut your hangover time in half. There are other hydration packs on the market, but nothing comes anywhere close to fighting those Sunday scaries like Waterboy. With zero sugar and over three times the electrolytes of liquid IV, your hangover doesn't even stand a chance. Unlike other competitors, Waterboy has added ingredients beyond just hydration to help with that nausea, the anxiety, and fatigue. For a limited time, our listeners will get 15% off your entire order with code ELBOWSTIGHT at waterboy.com. Waterboy not only sent me the weekend recovery, but they also sent me the athletic hydration recovery and i must say using the other electrolytes drinks waterboy is by far my favorite liquid iv has way too much sugar and causes me to have like a stomach ache uh, during practice And element is good but it's a little too salty for my taste waterboy has great taste and isn't overpowering with that sodium inside each stick there's ginger that helps with nausea and to make your tummy feel better and there is also l-theanine to help calm your nerves and reduce your anxiety their scientifically backed formula truly brings back you from the dead waterboy is also gluten-free caffeine-free dairy-free vegan and most importantly made in the usa hundreds of thousands of people already trust waterboy as their hangover cure for a limited time my listeners will get 15 percent off when you use the code elbows tight at waterboy.com that's 15% off with code elbows tight at waterboy.com. Waterboy has got you recovered. Yeah, I think it's a big eye opener too for people that um, come from a striking martial art whether it's taekwondo, karate, Muay Thai or something like that and like the second you disable their legs, they're like, I don't know what to do from here. Yeah. <laughs> like, like you put them on their back and they're like, you know, they're just like reach it for something, grab it for something. And it's, it's a, yeah. it's a big eye opener. I wrestled a little bit in, in high school, like just my fourth semester of my freshman year. Okay. And I thought, I thought even just that little bit was going to help me out when I first started jujitsu. And it kind of did like body awareness wise. Mm-hmm. But then I was just like, no dude, like this is like a whole different animal over here. Like yeah. this is I would die. I, I always say, like, I would, at the, when I first started my journey, it was an eye-opener. I would die in the streets if someone had just a little bit of training and I ended up fighting them. You know what I mean? Like, I'm like, dude, if this guy just took me to the ground, he would just, like, there's no way. I got manhandled by, like, an 18-year-old white belt with one stripe. Wow, he had yeah. just, you know what I mean? It was just, like, such a big eye-opener. Yeah. You posted on your story the other day that, uh, now that you're a mother, that not being able to, like, uh, defend your child or stick up for your child is like a big fear of yours. Um, oh, yeah. it's like, it's, it, it's, a, how has like that impacted your jujitsu journey now?
0: Uh, I try to think about it differently. Um, you know, when I first started, I wasn't seeing jujitsu as a form of self-defense. Um, I kind of just saw it as training, you know, trying to be athletic and, uh, compete. But now that I'm a mom, I do see it as a self-defense, like, when I'm putting the car seat in and my back is towards the street, like what am I going to do if someone takes my back? How do I uh, foot foot trip them or, you know, risk control, something like that. Um, So that's, I definitely roll with a different uh, purpose now.
1: Yeah. I, I've been trying to get my wife into it and I've been trying for five years. She did like a, we had back in the day, we had like a women's self-defense, like a a small women's self-defense class. Mm -hmm. And, I'm not knocking women's self-defense classes at all, especially if it's how women get into training more regularly, because it can be an eye opener to to realize, like, just once again, like I mentioned before, just a little bit of training can make a big difference. Um, And she did that and it wasn't really her thing. And so now she's kind of like reigniting that, like, oh, man, I kind of want to do it you know? Yeah. So I'm trying to, I'm trying to coerce her into it. How, how would you, if you could give it, all the husbands out there trying to get their wives into <laughs> Jiu Jitsu, <laughs> how, how, how should we coerce them to like, come on, it's okay. Like, let's do this.
0: Um, so I don't, I don't want to, you know, sound like a bad guy or anything, but when the majority of us women get attacked, it ends up being on the ground, you know, like in a position similar to the clothes guard. And so if, you if you know how to attack somebody from your legs wrapped around them that I think that's very beneficial for every every woman out there. Yeah. Or you know defending the wrist control, defending a takedown and just the simple things like that. Or at least yeah. um not stopping it but um making enough noise or enough of a ruckus and defense to cause some attention or some awareness so somebody can hear you if something does happen.
1: Yeah, that's, that's something I'm, like, trying to sh- show my wife is, like, uh, I've been, like, just showing her he- things here and there, like, hey, this is how, like, if someone were to, like, go in to take you down, this is a guillotine, like, yeah. what you're gonna do is you're gonna do this. like, just something super simple, she tried to, my, my oldest son, he's 15, and he's, like, taller than I am already, uh, but she, the other day, he came downstairs, she's like, hey, let me show you something that Travis just showed me, and, uh... And he, She tries to do a guillotine on him. He's like, "I have no idea what you're trying to do right now, mom." And he trains also. You know? <laughs> and I was like, "You just got to you got a little bit more practice." One time of me yeah. showing you is it gonna is it gonna do it justice? You know what I mean? And uh, it I mean, that's something that I honestly really enjoy about jujitsu is that there's not that instant gratification. You really really have to work hard for yeah. you like you mentioned earlier for you to be able to uh, achieve even just like sometimes the smallest goals can, mm-hmm. can really impact your journey. What was, what was your first big victory in your jujitsu journey?
0: Hmm. So I don't know if you, you obviously can't tell through social media, but I am four, oh, wow. <laughs> nine, <I'm> very short. <laughs> I can beat at rooster weight. So I was one of, one of the four women at my gym for a very long time. And so, trying to take down one of the bigger guys um was one of my biggest goals when i first started and when i finally did it it wow i i was a happy i i I was the happiest person in the world
1: (laughs) (laughs) you know you said they're like i did it that's right i I told you (laughs)
0: yeah where's my gold medal (laughs) yeah
1: <laughs> hey, it's hey that that I mean I suck at takedown. So if I take out take down another full grown man, I think it's a victory. I competed for oh, the yeah. first time a couple months ago, and I scored a takedown on my first my first uh match in my mm-hmm. first jujitsu competition ever, and I was like ecstatic. You know what I mean? Like afterwards, it's like it didn't even matter if I lost from then mm-hmm. on. Like I was like, I just got a takedown. Like holy, cra- how many times that's do you see? Belt. Right, that's what I'm saying. Like how many times, and even when I was there, how many times do you mm-hmm. see white belts or even blue belts? Well, actually, anyone that competes just lock horns like a ram and they're just like holding on to grips yeah. for dear life. You know what I mean? You're mm-hmm. like, dude, one of you guys have got to do something like this is yeah. so it's three and a half minutes of standing and pushing each other back and forth. Uh, when, for h- at, how, how soon uh, after you started jiu jitsu did you start competing?
0: Um, I think I, I started no he first, um, but. 30 days within throwing a gion, on my coach was like, Hey, we have a tournament next month.
1: <laughs> wow.
0: Yeah. So, um, that one didn't go very well. I don't remember anything, but, um, <laughs> I don't remember anything, but running to my coach crying.
1: <laughs> really?
0: So, yeah. Hey, it was pretty but, bad.
1: But you put yourself out there. I mean, yeah. I didn't compete for the first time until I'm a three stripe blue belt been training for, you know, over five years. And I finally competed for the first time and, people talk about like you should compete at white belt because if you compete later in your journey you're going to regret not doing it earlier and it, okay. it happened to me 100% like I wish I would have done it as a white belt at least once mm-hmm. uh just because I felt like as a white belt I was so much better um as a white belt than I am as a blue belt because I was able to train a lot more okay. and now as you know I'm sure you can attest to like life is completely different once you start having kids yeah. like uh, it's so much harder to get to training or to fit it in and you know, accommodate other people in your life. How, is, how has training changed for you since uh, becoming a mom?
0: Um, so I used to train maybe six, seven days a week, and I was at the gym for two, three hours a day. So I, I trained full time, if you want to say. Um, and then now I'm only training at my 6:30 class on Mondays and Wednesdays. And then I teach the kids Friday, Saturday, Sunday. So I roll with some of my, uh, you know, my 10 year old students.
1: <laughs> You're like, look, bro, we're the same size. All right. That's a, that's fun though. I mean, i I heard the saying for the first time the other day, uh, or a couple weeks ago is like, uh, he who teaches learns twice. And I just recently started being able to coach too. And it's like made me kind of obviously reanalyze the way I look at techniques and how someone would see it from the outside looking in. You know what I mean? Like, obviously, you're a very experienced coach. So now I'm like, man, how am I going to teach this technique to someone? Like, how do I make it digestible to where you know, we all see it out there, you know, 45 steps for someone trying to teach a single technique. And by the end of it, everyone's eye glazed over taking a nap. You know what I mean? How, how do you, how do you coach as, as someone that's been so experienced, especially with kids? Cause kids are a whole different animal. Oh
0: yeah. Well, first off, congratulations
1: Thank, you, on thank you. coaching.
0: Yeah. It's, it's, it's a big step. So congrats. Um, so I find that I teach the kids, teaching the kids is a little bit easier than teaching adults. um, Mm. Just because with kids, you can like neon belly. I call it Spider-Man stance or um, uh, when you're trying to search for a cross-collar choke, making a rainbow over their head. You know, these are things that I feel comfortable telling a a, a kid than an adult. I'm like, okay, go over the head with your arm Um, and. Uh, there's something that my coach once told me, he said, you don't know a move unless you can teach it. Mm. Yeah. And so I find that with the, the younger kids, I just give them the the bread and the, um, the bread and butter, right? Oh, not bread and butter. I'm sorry. The the meat and potatoes. <laughs> <laughs> I give them the meat and potatoes. And then when I go and teach the adults the next day, I give them a little bit more details to to whatever I just taught the kids. I mean, I think that that helps me a lot uh, understand the move a little bit better too.
1: Do you how do you study coaching or do you like for technique in class or um, like how, how do you prepare for class?
0: Um, so because we compete pretty often, I take a look at, you know, the footage of what the students do. Um, I take a lot of what um, they did great on and sharp, keep sharpening those tools or challenging those uh, those moves. And then I take a look at what they do need work on. Um, and then we kind of focus on that for a couple of weeks and we put it into like specifics training where we just drill starting in that position and then resetting in that same position just to see what um, what different options they have. So, you know, for mount instead of arms up, arms down, or what happens when you trap and roll or, um, you know, when you push to single leg X. So we give them different options um, from that one position.
1: You guys, have you uh, heard of like the ecological approach when it comes to? coaching it's it's big with like greg souder's josh mckinney yeah. there's a bjj mental model so it's kind of like what you just mentioned it was more along the lines of like it's kind of like a, they say games but really it's just mm-hmm. like situational uh sparring or task oriented yeah. sparring to where mm-hmm. it's like hey so someone's going to be in mount now i want you to get to single leg x you know and then you just tell them that and then however they get there then they're automatically uh developing these skills and these problem solvings without you necessarily having to say, Hey, step a is, so we're going to frame on the yeah. hips, you know, you're going to bridge and, you know, throw the leg over. Have, have you, is that something that you, uh, kind of do now that you hear about it or is yes, it more the tradition? Definitely. Yeah.
0: Definitely. yeah. Mm-hmm. How, how yeah.
1: has, how has coaching changed since you first started coaching to now then?
0: Um, I definitely didn't take it as serious as I should have when I first started. <laughs> um, I was, you know, a, a, a fresh blue belt at the time. And I think I was the highest rank in the in the academy. Oh, wow. And so I just had, you know, my maybe maybe two, three stripe blue belt um, and then a bunch of white belts and first dayers. Um, I started with the women's class um, and it just taught little things here and there. I didn't I never really taught one move. Um, because I felt like when I started and there was a lesson of, let's start with mounted armbar. I'm like, okay, I did the move. I learned it. How am I going to get there? Mm-hmm. Right. So I teach more of like, um, a game plan. So I go, if this person starts on their leg, ankle pick and just throw their legs to the side and sit on their stomach. You know, it's very simple, very easy verbiage for them to under of day one person to understand. And then you're there you're in the mounted position to try that armor we learned in class. So it's kind of how I'm now, um, doing classes for the newer people.
1: Do you, do you like study instructionals or anything like that to like stay up to, I mean, cause like jujitsu is changing so much nowadays. Okay. There's so, yeah, there's like so much knowledge out there. Do you study instructionals or, uh, other like prof- not professional, but like high end match footage or to like learn from them to help better for your students?
0: Um, I like to say I'm pretty old school, like my coach. So I don't, I'm not much on instructionals um, unless I really love the, um, you know, the athlete and their move. um, But I do more of following the black belts in my division and kind Mm -hmm. of studying their game because we're similar size. So I'm not going to learn from, you know, some, I don't want to name any names, but (laughs) I don't want to order someone's instructional if I don't have the same body type or if we don't have similar games if it's not something that I'm going to do. So I, I typically just study uh, the brown belts and the black belts in my division or the male rooster weights that are a little bit closer to my size. Um, and I just watch their footage, their competition footage. And um, I tend to watch all of their matches just to kind of see what they have in common. And then maybe if it's something I'm not doing, I need to add to my toolbox. I'll, I'll go ahead and try to add it.
1: When do you, when do you look on uh, look to getting back into competing or do you plan on not competing anymore?
0: Oh, I'm I'm planning on competing ASAP. <laughs> yeah.
1: What is it like uh, now, preparing yourself for competition? Uh, now that, like we mentioned, you know, it's not you're not able to dedicate as much time as it as you could before. How how do you approach competition prep now that you're thinking about doing it again?
0: Um, probably just uh, using my time wisely you know, taking up that uh, hour, hour and a half, 30 minutes. And, and I, you know, I have it, I have a purpose in that class. I, mm-hmm. every role I'm, I'm going with an intention of, you know, I'm going to try a toehold on this person or try not to get my guard passed, or I need to sweep them or, you know, um, try not to let something happen to me. So I, I definitely train with more of an intent now, um, but the preparation I'm kind of nervous about um, just because right now my husband and I both train. Mm -hmm. And we have an open mat at our gym on the weekends and we both want to train, but we also have a newborn. (laughs) So, um, you can't just train and then run to your newborn all sweaty and try to, you know, console them, soothe them. So, um, it takes a, it really does take a village to, to get to, take care of my child and do what I need to do. I have wonderful friends and teammates that will watch the baby while I run and take a shower after rounds or, um, you know, I'm like, Hey, let's roll, but right next to the baby and don't get me too sweaty or let's just, <laughs> <it."> <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> things like that. Um, I just, uh, funny you mentioned that. I just saw Karen, uh, and I, I don't know how to say her name. Mm-hmm. Uh, Karen, she's a black belt at check mat. She just competed at uh, world's master's worlds and she posted a, um, She's made a post about how difficult it is to get two toddlers, you know, ready, fed, and then her husband on board watching the kids and then in the middle of matches breastfeeding and then having to, who's going to watch them while she's competing. And I'm kind of nervous, but I'm also excited. Yeah,
1: yeah I, I, man, um, my wife, like to your point, uh, women are incredible. First of all, like <laughs> you guys, if you guys are determined to do something, you let nothing stand in the way, you know what I mean? Like, and that is something that, uh, I like my wife inspires me when she does that. Like, if she's like, I'm going to do this, she freaking does it. She's a, she was a, she's a former bodybuilder and she competed, uh, was very competitive when it came to bodybuilding and watching her, it was like, I was like, it was like a superpower to me, you know? And not only that, but like giving birth too. that was like a moment in my life let me tell you seeing it twice i was like this is incredible you know what i mean dude i it's it's so crazy to me i don't i can't i can't like give her enough i try to like tell her like babe i don't think you understand like from the outside looking in watching Mm -hmm. that is like crazy to me you know what i mean like and so i think if she wanted to do jujitsu man I, i just feel like the way she is, she would just absolutely crush it, you know, because that mm-hmm. determination and whatnot. And like you spoke about, like, uh, she's breastfeeding in between matches and whatnot. Yeah. Uh, it, it's also you mentioned in there that you don't you don't want to get too sweaty. When I come home from jujitsu, <laughs> my kids run up to me and they're like, daddy. And I'm like, don't touch me. Like, I, yeah. <laughs> I'm like, disgusting right now. You know what I mean? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so
0: it's it pretty bad in there.
1: Yeah, my there's there's guys in my school that get that have had staff multiple times, ringworm multiple times. I'm knock on wood, I haven't had it any any yet, but yeah. it's it's something that I do fear. And luckily, there's there's products out there that help out mm-hmm. with that. Uh, how how do you recover from jujitsu after after training or whatnot? Like what what does your post jujitsu class look like?
0: Um, so we typically, every Wednesday grateful, shout out to Shannon, uh, after class on Wednesdays, she leads this, uh, stretching circle. So, um, she kind of just takes us within five, 10 minutes of stretching a certain limb, um, or body part. And then I kind of take that and then I go home and I do it, you know, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, (laughs) until she gives us a new routine the next Wednesday. (laughs) So, um, I kind of, I do a lot of stretching after a lot of mobility work. Um, Try to stay hydrated. Um, it's disgusting how much sweat we lose. So, <laughs> drinking electrolytes every day and plus, you know, breastfeeding takes it out of you. So, drinking a lot of uh, electrolytes and staying hydrated is very important. Um, I'm not going to lie and say that I'm the healthiest uh, person in the world because sometimes being a mom, you just want to grab something quick. Um, yeah, I'm especially right when you're you. pregnant. You know, yeah. you're just like, just just give me Popeye's, please.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I mean, there's worse. There's worse. <laughs> <laughs> mm-hmm. So what was it like training pregnant? Like, there's a lot of, uh, there's a lot of stigma out there that, you know, uh, women are delicate when they're, they're pregnant. And to a point, like women are right there. There's, yeah. there's are precautions, but. There, I, I I learned this from like I mentioned watching my wife and being amazed by her. Uh, women can do a lot of things pregnant that most people probably don't even realize. What was it like training pregnant?
0: Uh, it was definitely different. I went from wearing my extra small rash guards to my husband's large rash guards, um, and uh, a lot of people didn't want to roll with me. You know, with I understand why they didn't want to roll with me, um, but the people that did, you know, they were very gentle. They were very nice. Um, I had to change my game a little bit. I feel like, um, I'm, I'm more of a smash passer. I'll wrestle you down and grind my head into your chest and, um, kind of play a little dirty. And <laughs> I went from that to guard playing, you know, something gentle and sweeps here and there. Um, uh, no more takedowns. Um, so I definitely just changed it a little bit. I couldn't take any more, anyone's back anymore. Um, I had to get into the leg entanglement game a little bit. Um, but yeah, that's probably the only thing I changed. <laughs>
1: have you, have you still, are you still doing some of those things now? Post-pregnancy, postpartum?
0: Yes. Yes, definitely. Um, I, uh, I had to have an, uh, an emergency C-section. So I, um, uh, it took me a little bit longer to recover. Mm. Um, so I'm definitely not doing any takedowns right now. Um, Guard is a little difficult because of the core, you know, the core yeah. strength that it takes. Um, so I'm doing a lot of 50 fifty-fifty, um, a lot of uh, closed guard, just submissions from the closed guard. Um, so yeah, it's a little different.
1: What was that? What was that first class like? Back on the mats after everything.
0: Um, I was definitely nervous, uh, only because I did have the C-section. I didn't want to overdo it and um my husband's gonna listen to this but um (laughs) sorry (laughs) sorry um i went back to teaching after three weeks and my doctor was like you need to stay off the mats for about four to six months i'm like yeah right yeah good luck yeah no thanks (laughs) (laughs) um so i went back to teaching three weeks and for the kids i have their warm-ups we practice handstands going across the mat And, uh, I'm like, I wonder if I could still do it. So I go ahead and do it. And I tore some stitches. Oh, no! it was terrible. Yeah. So I had to go back to being in the bed and not being able to get up, not being able to train. Um, so then hopping back into my first, my second class, um, was a little bit scary, but you know, we went, we went and got through it. I have a lot of help. Um, I have assistant coaches now in my classes. So that way, um, you know, I don't overdo it. Or if there's certain moves that I'm planning on teaching that I can't do, I call them. They show up and they help me.
1: One thing you mentioned earlier is now that you're back and with so little time is about training with intention. Mm-hmm. And I'm right there with you. Like when I go to class now, I have to train with intent. Like yeah. same thing as I'm going to work on guard attention today. or I want to hit mm-hmm. the move of the day that we learned in class at least two or three times. And I didn't necessarily think that way when I had more opportunity to train. I kind of took advantage of it. And so it I just find it funny how we don't think about train well we do think about training with intention but we don't take full advantage of it until it's necess- like 100% necessary you know yeah. what i mean like if i were to take if i were to go back in class and train with the amount of intent i do now four or five times a week, I I would just, I couldn't even imagine the amount of progression I would have. Do you ever like think about that now that, you know, you're like, you mentioned, you're much more intentful with everything.
0: Oh, definitely. And it's one of those, you don't really know what you have until it's gone. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so it's definitely tough. Um, I, uh, just like you said, working on the guard retention, that's probably one of the biggest things that I'm working on right now is just my guard retention. For the longest time, um, when I was pregnant, I would just kind of let them do whatever they really wanted. Um, And when you're coaching, you kind of do the same thing. You kind of let your students kind of work around you and just so you can kind of see what they have. Um, And I felt like that hindered me a little bit. And now I'm going back and I'm trying to relearn jujitsu. Like, oh, I am good at this. I shouldn't be letting them pass my guard just because, you know, I want them to learn. Um, so I'm just kind of trying to go back to step one and remember my fundamentals.
1: What makes a good training partner? Cause you mentioned in there, like not giving too much or too little resistance to mm-hmm. your training partner. What makes a good Uke or Tori? Is it Tori or the Japanese I word? for <laughs>
0: <laughs> Um, yeah, it's someone that, um, is going in there with good intentions. Um, I don't like dead fishes, um, you know somebody that's just you know you go for a Toriando and their legs just flop, um, or somebody that um, you can't communicate with. You know before a round I'll go, hey, I'm I, I want to work on my toe holds today. You know and they're going to do everything possible to keep me from getting there, um, rather than someone that's just um, you know, hey, let's play catch and release. You know and I'm like, oh, that's not really what I want to do. Um, so definitely somebody that can communicate with you and is going in there with intent,
1: I think. Yeah. And I mean, it's like training partners are how we, everyone gets better in Mm jujitsu and it's, it's as a white belt. I definitely didn't think about it as much as I do now, obviously, because I was like, I'm just going to try my hardest to do everything I possibly can without like complete. Right, with complete disregard for what the other person wants to do you know what I mean like yeah. I have no idea what's going on now it's like <laughs> it's like I'm just gonna I'm just gonna do whatever I need to do to to mm-hmm. to get on the mat and whatnot and I try to tell people when they first come in especially brand new white belts that are kind of intimidated about rolling mm-hmm. how many times do you hear oh I don't know what to do I um, I'm nervous or I, I I don't know anything and mm-hmm. it's like well that that's true to a certain extent, but the best way to get better at jujitsu and rolling is to do it right. Like no mm-hmm. amount of watching it from the sidelines is gonna is gonna get you better at jujitsu. You gotta you gotta start implementing it against live resistance. How oh, do you definitely. coerce your newer students into rolling if they're a little bit hesitant about it?
0: Um, I always tell them to try the move of the day. Move of the day is the key to. To progression, right? Um, so it's easy to do a mountain arm bar on someone that's letting you do it, letting you practice um, during you know those couple minutes that you get. Um, but when you are trying to do it on a resisting person, it completely changes it. And so when they're a little bit nervous, I tend to tell them, just don't worry about anything. Don't worry about anything but getting the move of the day. Because that's one thing you do know how to do, or at least you, you just learn how to do it so just try it see if it works see if it's effective see what you can do to change it based on your body type um, or on your partner's reactions so I, i always preach try the move of the day
1: fresh ball fall is upon us and you need to be in the festive spirit light a candle and get some pumpkin spice and make sure your balls look nice with today's sponsor manscaped Nature may clear the leaves for their trees, but you'll need Manscaped to get ready for that sweater weather. Get your pants puppies prepared for cuffing season with a trim that's refreshing as the fall breeze going to manscaped.com using code ETP20 for 20% off and free shipping. I remember the first time I trimmed my balls uh, and it was a nightmare. To give a visual idea of how bad it was, my balls looked like Jim Carrey's The Grinch when he shaved his face for the first time. Now, instead of hearing, look at that hack job in my head, now i hear oh those are some good looking jewels but now you've heard of them but it's time you join the 9 million men worldwide using manscape to get the kit that covers it all the performance package 4.0 bring the fall in right and get 20 percent off and free shipping with code etp20 at manscape.com that's 20 percent off with free shipping at manscape.com using code etp20 as the leaves fall make sure you have it all with manscaped so I mean it's smart right because even if and I think communication is especially when you first start um people are like I mentioned like they're quick to say like I don't know what to do or Mm -hmm. anything like that instead of saying hey can we just do this you know what I mean like like Laying down like a situation like, hey, I don't know what I'm doing, but can we just work on the move of the day? You know, being yeah. having that open communication with their their training partner. I was just coaching uh, on Wednesday and there was only a couple of people that came to the fundamentals. And I partnered with a guy that's been training maybe two months, maybe. And we we're doing uh, one of the games and he's like, oh, man, I don't I don't know what to do here. And I'm like, listen to what the game is. I just want you to make four points of contact. Like you don't have to like grip me like I'm in the pasture guard or anything like that. That's not what I'm doing. I'm just moving around and you, I just want you to get four points of contact. And so slowly it started to register him, you know, through the the couple rounds. He's like, okay, now it's starting to make sense. Now he's relaxing, and it, I think it just comes with more Matt experience and setting that that uh environment to where people can have that communication. You know what I mean? Like, is that something you look for too when, when you're pairing people up, even maybe in class? Oh,
0: definitely. Yeah. I'm not going to go pair, you know, the new twenty 120-pound girl with 180-pound wrestler. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, so, yeah, it's definitely something um, I look for. Um, we try to give um, one of the higher ranks uh, the new person every time just because they're a little bit more controlled. We never pair new people together um, because, you know... There's not really much, no offense that you can learn from somebody who just started two months ago rather than somebody who has a little bit more experience They're more controlled. Their egos, you know, not as big as somebody who just started. Um, so, yeah.
1: How do you handle uh, white belts coaching each other in your class? Because we all know, especially if we've done jujitsu for a while, there's a difference between coaching and mm-hmm. then, like, kind of helping them through the yeah. technique. How do you handle when you're, like hey guys, I'm the coach here. I don't really, you know, like calm down. Like, how do you handle that whole situation?
0: Um, I think that anybody can learn from anybody. Um, I I definitely think that, uh, you know, somebody, a a white belt might have a different insight on a certain move than I do. I mean, I tend to just kind of listen. I'm one of those that just listens. And if I have, you know, if I object to anything, I'll definitely speak up about it. Um, But when it comes to helping them out, I'm all for it. When it comes to coaching them, I think it's or a little bit where I'm, I'm just standing a little bit over their shoulder, like, hey, t- take everything with a grain of salt.
1: <laughs> <laughs> That's not exactly how I explained it. It's uh, just keep that in mind. Yeah. yeah you know. <laughs> So let's jump over to your your like you mentioned before, or at the very beginning, is like a lot of people know you as a competitor. Let's kind of jump over to like your the competitive side of your jujitsu journey. You mentioned it was like thirty days in, and you don't really remember what much. How long did it take you to be comfortable with competing and like building who you are as a competitor?
0: I think my second tournament you know, the first one, I, it definitely motivated me. and am like, let's not let that happen ever again. I don't like that feeling of crying and, uh, you know, feeling defeated after I've worked so hard for something that I really wanted. Um, so I went full force and just trained a lot. I used to own my own business back in the day. So I trained whenever I wanted. Um, so I would just go in from the 11 and 12 o'clock classes, one o'clock class, and then I'd come in for the five and six in the evening. Um, so I was there uh, training with a little bit of a purpose. You know, I was very hungry. I was asking many, many questions. And um, I worked my way to, you know, just competing at a NAGA, a local NAGA event. I did no gi and gi. And um, I just focused on, I love my clothes guard. Clothes guard, I think, is king. <laughs> it's my probably my favorite guard. Um, so I just tried to uh, work my clothes guard. And uh, I ended up winning the tournament. Yeah, or my division.
1: And that was as a white belt and in your, was your a white belt. Sec- Yeah. Um so through your, your white belt journey, how, how did your your game plan kind of change and deviate? Did you as you started learning new skills and more about yourself?
0: Um, well, because I have a little bit of that wrestling background, I was very um what my coach calls very bleh. Right, where you just kind of want to bulldoze everybody and run them over and squish them and control them.
1: Blasting doubles, blasting.
0: Yes. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so I went from doing that in my early white belt days to finding a guard I really like. You know, like the closed guard is a very controlling position um, to, you know, like, okay, if it opens up, let me try Spider or De La Hiva. You know, I went from trying to just be this mean, heavy, grimy player to flowing a little bit more like water through the guards.
1: Trying to trying to build that little bit more of like uh, elegance, I guess you could say. Because there's yeah. some competitors out there that watching them compete, like Andre Galvao, like if you watch like someone that's been competing for, you know, longer than I've been alive, it feels like, uh, <laughs> like there's like a beautifulness to it. Uh, oh, Nicholas yeah. Marigali, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like all these people, I'm like watching them like, Dude, these guys are at the highest level, competing against the highest level people, mm-hmm. and like they just look fluid. You know what I mean? You're like, holy crap, these guys look great. Yeah. Um, when people when people first started off in competing, what what would be the the biggest thing that they should probably focus on to kind of help build that game uh a little bit quicker?
0: Um, I would say finding a position they like, uh, and then a position. Excuse me. Uh, Finding a position that they like. Um, So for instance, you know, I have this um, one student, uh, Chris, who really was a big fan of cross guard. And from the very beginning, he goes, how can I get there? What do I do if they, Mm -hmm. you know, they block this or they block that or what can I transition to? Um, So I just told him, find one guard and then find little uh, deviations, transitions and um, other entries to the guard. So I would say finding a move or a position that you like.
1: When you first, when you first got promoted to to blue belt and you did your first competition as blue belt, did you ever have any, um, like imposter syndrome feeling or like, uh, cause even me as a blue belt, sometimes I roll with, you know, white belts or mm-hmm. other blue belts and I'm like, man, I am getting crushed right now. Did you ever have like a, uh, like a little bit of a worry that after being promoted and competing for the first time?
0: Oh, definitely. Definitely. Um, <sighs> I just was one of the only females when we first, like when I first started the gym. Um, and so I just kind of felt like, oh, maybe I'm being promoted because I'm the only female mm. and they want to get more in. And it just, I, I questioned it a lot. You know, there was a time when my coach wanted to give me a stripe and I'm like, no, 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 please keep it. Like, I don't think I'm worthy of it. And he's like, what's wrong with you? <laughs> um. So yeah, there definitely was a little bit of an imposter syndrome um, and it took competing to to see that, hey, you know, I am worthy of this blue belt. You know, I, I I earned this and I worked hard and clearly the results show that I I deserved it.
1: What was the biggest difference from competing as a white belt and competing as a, a blue belt?
0: Um, I think just the more te- the technical aspect, uh, you can be a blue belt for two years. You can be a blue belt. You can when you compete against a blue belt, you can be competing against a four stripe blue belt who's been there for almost two years or um, a freshly new blue belt or a white belt with college wrestling experience. (laughs) So you don't know. And I think that um, that was really tough for me is, you know, figuring out um, how am I going to compete against this almost purple belt or do they have college experience and um, do they train nogi and gi and um, it was, it was difficult, but, you know, I just kept on, working my fundamentals and getting into class and trying, um, just to elevate my game.
1: When, when it, it's, you, it's funny, you mentioned the the stripes on the belt, because I think there's a psychological game when it comes to competing yeah. with like belts, stripes and whatnot. Mm-hmm. I, uh, one of the guys I competed with in my first tournament, Ben, he just won masters worlds as a blue mm-hmm. belt been competing for three or been doing jujitsu for three years one master's world and just got promoted to purple belt. And, uh, and so one thing I noticed was he never has stripes on his belt when he competes. Right. (laughs) And in high school wrestling, if I saw someone with a tattoo, I was like this guy's going to destroy me. You know what I mean? And I kind of I kind of see that as like stripes on a belt now if you're competing. Yeah. You know what I mean? You're like you see someone with four stripes you're like, "Oh my god, this person is going to crush me. They have yeah. four stripes on their belt. They're almost the next belt. I don't even stand a chance." You know what I mean? Like how do you how do you overcome that if that is something that you kind of can relate to?
0: Um <laughs> It's definitely tough. You know, I, I get nervous, but my coach one time goes, I my husband was um, nervous to compete against this four-stripe blue belt at the time. And he goes, oh my God, look, coach, he has four stripes. And he was like reading his patch. He's like, who's going go France? And my coach goes, who the F cares? You are <laughs> Tyler Held, and you train at AC Combat. Who cares? Yeah, <laughs> They kind of try to approach it uh, with that mentality of, Who cares you know I am who I am and I know that I'm good enough to be there
1: what's been the hardest belt to compete at I
0: think technical technique wise I I would say purple um just because everyone's game is kind of evolving at that time you know you you've got your your fundamentals down you've found a guard that you really like or a certain game that you like to play um, but as far as getting competitors to compete against you, I would say brown. It's been really? very difficult to find someone my size um, and, you know, just even females in general to compete.
1: Yeah. Do you think they're like women practitioners are turned off about competing? Because I hear that a lot is not, not necessarily because they don't want to compete or anything like that, but because they're, it is hard for a lot of women to find brackets that are enough to, for them to even compete. Like, why do you think that is? It's just because there's not enough women in competing or is there kind of like this, uh, reverse psychology of like, I'm not going to have enough people to compete. So I'm just not going to compete. You know what I mean?
0: Definitely the reverse psychology. Um, um, there's a ton of women in jujitsu, a ton. Um, and especially in Arizona, I competed against the same girl from white belt all the way to brown belt same girl every time <laughs> and her and i are actually really good friends now um i see her at pans i see her at worlds i see her at the local tournaments um so women there are they are there i just don't think that many of them sign up for that purpose yeah of you know maybe there's no one's going to sign up so i just won't do it
1: yeah there's I've, I've the i've i've signed up for a couple different competitions and even in the local scene uh, I kind of feel that too because I've done it before where I signed up for a competition and then backed out the last minute because it's like one person and I'm like, I'm not going to go up in a weight class because I'm already I'm five, eight, five, nine, 208 pound weight class. And so if I go up a weight class that's a big weight class, yeah. you know what I mean? <laughs> like, and so I'm like, it's not even worth it to me if if one person, I'm not going to pay $80 to go mm. to an open mat, pretty much. You know what I mean? Like, I'm going to go, yeah. I'll just go to their academy and roll with them. And if they beat me, then I would have known.
0: <laughs> yeah, exactly.
1: <laughs> so how, how do you think we could get more women uh, to, to compete in jujitsu? Like, what do you think would be like a good uh, start to bringing more women into competing so you don't have that issue of competing against i mean i don't think it's an issue but you know what i mean like it's always nice to be able to roll with a a variety of people and compete against a variety of people
0: um my biggest um sell selling point i guess i would say is don't you want to try it on somebody your same rank your same size and your same age like don't you want to see if this works or if it's (laughs) foo-foo you know um that's probably how i get most women to sign up you know and um Arizona, we have a Copa Bella tournament that's actually ran by Gustavo Dantes every year mm-hmm. in April, and uh, my academy is a two-time champion of that tournament um, because we have a humongous women's team. Um, really, and they're all yeah, that's cool. very large women's team, um, white belt all the way to brown belt, and uh, we we push each other a lot. You know, we um, push each other towards greatness, and we hold each other accountable. And we're like, hey, I thought you said you wanted to compete. Tournament's coming up. Um, <laughs> challenge yourself, go out there, have fun. And, you know, just remind them this is for fun. It's not for, you know, you're not winning the world. It's just, it's just for fun to test out what you know, and then just to see if it works really.
1: Yeah, that that was the biggest uh, eye opener for me competing for the first time is mm-hmm. I was nervous because I was like, you know, no one wants to get exposed as, you know, like a a fake blue belt or something like that. And I wasn't necessarily, because I've been a blue belt, you know, three quarters of the time I've been doing jujitsu. And so I wasn't necessarily nervous about getting exposed as someone. But, you know, there's like, like you mentioned, there's people out there that you're like, how are you even a blue belt, dude? (laughs) Like what are you doing you should yeah. like you like go go to the next rank like you i got it you're good yeah. um but i was surprised on how good i did myself you know what i mean i was like man like i that was like a reassurance for me that the blue belt around my waist is i mean i'm not as good as i want to be but i definitely feel much better now at my rank and psychologically it was it was super cool seeing I I lost, I won 1, lost 2, lost 1 by submission and lost 1 by points. Uh but it was more of a gas tank thing. I was I was dead. Like <laughs> I was absolutely dead. But it was it was a it was a good feeling knowing and like I'm definitely blue belt material, higher blue belt material. But when it comes to your your gas tank in in competition, it is a whole different animal. How do you prepare yourself for like competing when it comes to your endurance and conditioning?
0: Um, well, our academy has a great uh structured training like week. I think I love the way our, our academy has set it has it set up. Monday through Wednesday, we teach a lesson. You know, when we start on Monday, add some details Tuesday, Wednesday, and then Thursday we have a specifics or situational drilling day. Um, so we just drill s- you know, mount, getting out of mount, getting out of uh, the back, um, you know, attacking, um, the front headlock choke or some, you know, some situational sparring Thursday. And then we have our competition class on Fridays and the Thursday, Friday classes are definitely recommended if you're going to compete just because it gives you that competition style feeling where, um, you know, everyone there is going to show up and they're going to go hundred percent, um, my husband used to run the classes and he would always tell everybody in the beginning of class He would get everyone together. And he goes, if you're here to work hard, work hard. If you're not, there's a door, mm-hmm. you know? Um, and so you're going in there with this feeling of like, Oh my God, I'm already nervous. This person's trying to rip my head off. It's not just kind of, you know, chill, like a Monday class. Where you're just like to chatting about your weekend and kind of flowing through the roles and talking. Um, so Thursday's situational sparring and then the Friday competition class, I definitely recommend, um, for someone that wants to get their task gas tank, you know, a little bit full. Um, and then, you know, Saturdays and Sundays, open mats, getting in some roles of people that you don't know. Because when you go into an open mat, someone else's gym, it's kind of like a competition feeling, right? You still get the yeah. nerves. You've never yeah. seen these people before. Yeah. Um, you don't know what their game is. They don't know your game. It's not like your your regular training room where your partner knows what you're going to go for. Um, so I recommend competition classes and um, open mats. That's that's kind of what I do.
1: Man, it, it's funny you mentioned that because it, I I've noticed too when I go to my friends' academies or mm-hmm. my friends come to my academy if they're a colored belt it's it's like sharks in the water they're like oh, yeah. who is this person <laughs> who who are we gonna who, are we are, are, are they good are they nice you know mm-hmm. I it when it comes to Dropping in at someone's academy, the first time I ever drop into someone's academy, I never even remotely roll hard or try to prove a point or something like that mm-hmm. because I want to be—I want them to feel that I am there for a purpose to, you know, make friends and to have a good time, and not just there to prove a point or something like that. Yeah. But if I go back again, then I kind of start turning it, turning it up, and but turning it up like I'm—I'm I'm good or something like that. But you know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like I—I <laughs> I try to roll That's a little bit harder. <laughs> <laughs> how, how do you approach dropping in at other academies, especially as a, a brown belt? I mean, you're up there. People are going to see that brown belt and automatically have this idea in their head about how good you should be and whatnot.
0: Yeah. Um. Well, I definitely don't ever take my A game to open mats. <laughs> uh, my coach would disown me. <laughs> <if I did. laughs> Um, but um whenever you know we learn a certain move or a certain lesson or I see a move that I want to try, I try it in the training room first, you know, with my friends, with somebody that I feel comfortable with. Um, and then I go, okay, it's working on them. Let's go try it on someone else before we bring it to the competition mats. So then you take it to an open mat and you know, again, they don't know your game. You don't know their game. And so you kind of get to try it and see different uh defenses um for your certain move and then like you said we start turning it up a notch yeah
1: when it comes to competition day do you does your husband corner you or is it your actual coach like or do you even like i know there's some people out there don't even <laughs> like coaches coaching them How, do you have your husband or your actual coach coaching you or do you like no one out there
0: um i've had both of them uh, whenever we go out of town it's always my husband you know i always have my husband in my corner um I love him so much. He's always been there for me since day one. He will forfeit tournaments just so I can compete. He's so sweet. Um, But it's typically, if it's going to be in state, it's definitely my, my head instructor. I mean, my, my husband's on the sidelines, of course, trying to yell as well.
1: (laughs) (laughs) um, How do you, how do you like being coached when it, when you're in competition? Do you want to hear step-by-step movement, time code? Just encouragement. What what do you prefer when it comes to on the competition mat being coached?
0: Lots of words of encouragement. (laughs) Um and you know, if I if I don't see something, which I I I don't know everything, right? And my coach sees something, you know, way before I do, I I love it when he tells me ahead of time. Or when I'm in a certain position and he goes, You know what to do there? And I'm like, I do know what to do there. you know, or, uh, when he goes, uh, you know, you're in your guard. This is, you know, this is where you want to be. This is your spot. I'm like, this is my spot. You know, I get a little bit of, you know, encouragement and some confidence because it is scary being in the competition mats. And for those people that don't like to be coached, you know, everyone's different, but I, I definitely need it. Um, and I love it.
1: Do you, do you have your coach warming, warming you up, telling you what to do before Matt or before you step on the mats? Like, what is it like, pre pre-stepping on the mat
0: um it's actually typically just my husband um my coach is all over the place with other competitors oh, gotcha. <laughs> um and he tends to make his rounds you know whenever he finds me but um having my husband there to remind me who i am what i'm capable of and that um i deserve to be there really helps yeah.
1: i need to get my wife in in, in the jiu-jitsu you're like, yeah. I'm like so jealous right now. I'm like, in my head, I like, I want that. Like me and my <laughs> wife have been together for almost a decade. We've been married for coming up on four years. And oh, uh, mm-hmm. thank you. And it's mm-hmm. I, what's, the way you praise your husband, I absolutely love because I feel the same way about my wife. Mm-hmm. And I just want that. I mean, I kind of want that. Like, you know, just sitting there like, you know who you are. You got this. Like, exactly. that's that's great. And it comes from someone that truly believes it and loves you. So I'm, mm-hmm. I'm sure it has to have a whole different feeling to it, too, than oh, outside yeah. of your coach.
0: Mm-hmm. Definitely. You should bring her in. (laughs) Yeah.
1: Yeah, So, well, Mary, uh, I like to end every conversation with, uh, if you could give one piece of advice to a brand new white belt, uh, Mm -hmm. what would it be?
0: Consistency is key. Consistency is key. And then if it scares you, try it. If it challenges you, try it. Um, And then just don't give up. There's going to be some tough days on the mats, whether it's physically or mentally, um, emotionally. You know, some days you cry, some days you puke, some days you bleed. Some days you're really happy, and you know you're proud of yourself for accomplishing something. But stay with it, stick with it, and um, yeah, consistency is key. You're you're going to get a huge reward at the end.
1: What does consistency look like to you, though?
0: Um, going on the days where you don't want to. You know, if it's your body telling you, you know, maybe you shouldn't go, don't go. But if it's your mind telling you, uh, you know, Michaela really, you know, submitted me last time and, you know, I'm scared to go back, you know, it's, I just threw my friend's name out there. I'm sorry. <laughs>
1: Debbie is like, why is she I calling me
0: <laughs> I've had those days, you know, I'm like, damn, my friend really got me that time. I don't know if I want to go back, you know, kind of hurt me a little bit, my ego. But then I'm like, no, you know, I should go back. I should challenge myself and I need to to work through it. Um, And uh, I don't mean going three hours a day, you know, every other day. No, I mean, like, if you only have an hour a day, go an hour a day. Make sure you also go the next day for an hour and try to stick with that same routine. Don't try to squeeze four hours in one day and then not go for mm. the rest of the week. Um, so just kind of sticking to it with however much time you have.
1: Yeah, that's great. Cause I definitely think people, some people out there might see the four hours for one day at, at, and doing it every week as, yeah. as been, it is beneficial. But I definitely think the more time you can, be on the mats the the better in, in succession, right? Like yeah. you mentioned, like the more the more consecutive days in a row, the better. Being there for three weeks straight, you know, and then taking two weeks off, then coming for a week and then taking a week off, like like mm-hmm. that, that's that's not it's gonna cool. that's not gonna help you nearly as much as showing up with intent day after day and then really getting in there. So I think it's okay. a great, great tip. Uh, if people want to follow you, where where's the best place that they can follow you and, and see your journey and and you jumping back into competing? I can't wait to see that.
0: Yeah, thank you, thank you. I'm I'm trying to compete probably by January. Uh, we have a tournament January February, and I think that's going to be my my next goal. Um, I only have an Instagram. I don't have Facebook, TikTok, or any of that stuff. Um, I just have Instagram at uh, Mary Daisy Held mm-hmm. or Mary Sorry. Daisy Held or Mary Daisy BJJ. <laughs> I don't even know. <laughs>
1: I'll have, I'll be sure to have it the proper link okay. down in the description. <laughs> that people want to follow her. So, but Mary, I just want to thank you so much for coming on the show today. This was a mm-hmm. phenomenal conversation. Uh, I, I try to pick your brain as much as possible and, and everything you came out of your, your answers was golden. I just want to thank you for, for spending the time today and, and uh, going all the way to your office to, to have a quiet yeah. space. Thank you so much.
0: No, thank you so much for having me. This was fun and uh, hopefully we can do it again.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So thank you guys uh, so much for listening and watching at home. If you guys want to go follow Mary, everything's going to be down in the description below. Check out the the links down below for all the sponsors. And uh, guys, thank you so much. If you made it all the way, let me know. And uh, remember, no oil checks here. Peace, guys.
0: <laughs> Bye.